right, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Under the Streetlight, a casual podcast about everyday people chasing the dream. After all, you are the ones who make not just America, but the world such an amazing place. So if you want to be on the show, be sure to reach out to me on Facebook, or you can DM me on YouTube and tell me your story. And let's just uh, let everybody know that it is not the ruling elite politicians or big Hollywood that defines the quality of your life, but you. And uh, before I bring on my guest, I do want to make a couple of quick announcements that uh, a new merch design is finally going to be released next week. So be sure to check out that. And uh, if you want to follow me on Facebook and YouTube, please do so. Hit that subscribe, follow, like, and most importantly, share, share, share. Not just for me, but for my guest as well. Now, also, if you want to download the audio of all those shows, you can find those on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, and so much more. And our guest, um, he's a YouTuber, and he's got a really interesting channel and a unique story, and we are going to get him on. Uh, his name is Chase Bristow. He is also known as the Gay Nomad, and you can find his link in the description down below, so during and after the show, stop by his YouTube channel, show some support, and let's get him out there. So, ladies and gentlemen, Chase Bristol. How's it going? Good. How are you? And what a marvelous introduction. I love that. Is that New York that, with the streets and everything? Uh, I'm not sure where it is. I just know that uh, it, some of the stock media that comes with the software that I use, but I saw it and I just thought it would just be perfect. And thank you. Absolutely. So, you are the gay nomad. So let's tell you know, let everybody know a little bit about yourself. You know, who you are, where you come from, what what got you in this. Well, it's a very bittersweet start. I, you know, I heard when life gives you lemons, you make lemonade. Well, I took that to the extreme. Because about five years ago, my parents threw me out because I'm gay. And I didn't let that stop me from living life like I do every day. Like an everyday person would, you know. Just because I live on the streets doesn't mean I can't stay clean and go to the movies and continue to go to the mall and shopping and out to eat and live like I have a home. I mean, I, I'll get a storage unit and put all my goodies in there, and I wrote a bucket list, and I checked everything off. I'm only 32 years old, and I've checked off my entire bucket list already. What were some of the places on your bucket list? I wanted to go visit the Golden Girls' house. I wanted to make an attempt to meet Betty White by, not, by ringing her doorbell. I wanted to get married to a total stranger. I wanted to do it in Vegas and at the Chapel of the Bells. I wanted to um, experience a divorce where I could make fun of my ex-husband all the hell I want and use it in my stand-up comedy. Side note, if you guys want to lose uh, 300 pounds of ugly fat, I'm sure he is available for your uh, marriage and divorce, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's, comedy is a, it's a tricky thing to get into because, you know, people are so easily offended. 
But if you can find the right crowd that understands that the whole point of comedy is to break the oppression off your heart, you know, and just get you to laugh, then you're certainly going to be successful. Absolutely. And if you can't laugh at yourself, then you're going to have a miserable life. Absolutely. So what has been the the one place that was the what was the one thing on your bucket list that was the hardest to achieve? Um, probably getting on the Howard Stern show, or well, I I would say getting into the New York Times, but that was that kind of just jumped right into my lap. So you were on the Howard Stern show. Yes. What was um, that like? Well, I basically told him that I was a Golden Girls junkie. I mean, there's people who abuse meth and people who abuse weed and other substances. I just go gung-ho over the Golden Girls to the point where I am li- I'm literally a Golden Girls junkie. And Howard <laughs> Stern wanted to know about it, so I got on. And that's also what my claim to fame was in the New York Times. Yeah, I remember the Golden Girls. I mean, my mother and I used to watch it every time it was on. And, you know, um, Betty White playing Rose, who was from St. Olaf, Minnesota, my home state, that accent. Oh, yeah, sure, don't you know? Oh, yeah, sure, you betcha. You get me every time. <laughs> Rose Nyland, you are St. Olaf's woman of the year. Oof, dog. <laughs> yep. And speaking of Ufka, we actually have a taco chain called Ufka Tacos. <laughs> oh, my God. That's amazing. I have to go there. That's another destination I got to put on my list. Now, I'll tell you, if you come up here to Minnesota, don't come up here during the wintertime. So I'm told. Yeah, it, it I've heard really all cool. about it from Rose. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, you know, you... What made you decide to document your journey with your bucket list by creating a YouTube channel? Well, I mean, I had a YouTube channel prior to that, and I couldn't get into it because it was under an old email account, so I got a new phone when I was traveling. And I heard about this other podcast called the Joe Cazzo Show back when I started this trip around the country. And... I decided to call in and tell them about how I was going to check off my bucket list and couch surf and go all over the country, and he wanted to hear about it, so he put me on, and he gave me the name, The Gay Nomad, but he was like a a total asshole and everything, so Mm. eventually I left, I stopped calling in and just took the title that he gave me and used it as my YouTube channel name and be, and it stopped. So I'm kind of a spin-off. I'm kind of like Frazier from Cheers. Right. So, wh- okay. Now, you've just been thrown out of your parents' house. You know, we're going to kind of go back in time here. You were just thrown out of your parents' house. And what was the first time that you felt afraid or, you know, really felt like things were going to fall apart unless you did something. And when you decide to make the change, uh, that change, 
where exactly were you when all that happened? Uh, leaving the neighborhood and heading downtown to Baltimore to find uh, some homeless people to talk to and see what life is like. Right. It was a very humbling experience, too, because back then, like, when I was living there, I was a total snob. I was just like them. I, I would stick my nose up at anything that wasn't, like, upscale and rich and snooty. I mean, right. they are very well-off people. Right. So, after all that... Where were you in your life when you began to experience your first glimmer of success and hope that things could be okay? Orlando, Florida. And what would that? What was going on? And what was the change? I made a lot of friends there. I stayed there for a good amount of time, so I started making friends and going to businesses on a regular basis. Like, I went to this place called Raw Juice and Detox, which was a smoothie bar. I made friends with all the workers there, and it got to the point where I could just plug my phone in and go about my business and charge my phone there or just hang out there during the day, providing I, I buy a smoothie or something. Right. But I've always been one to hang out at businesses. In fact, I was kind of raised in a liquor store called Christo's uh, in Glen Burnie, Maryland. Oh, okay. Because my, par my parents never uh, made time for me. They always made excuses as to why they couldn't spend time with me. So I wanted to right. feel close to, my, to them, and they always went shopping there. So I started going there to hang out just to feel close to them. When they got wind of it, they stopped going there, and then before long, all the employees took me under their wing. I went to their family get-togethers, their winter solstice parties, and, you know, just became part of the family with them. Right. Well, you know, I mean, I that kind of goes with uh, a saying that I've been adopting lately. Um, blood just makes you related. Loyalty is what makes you family. And sometimes you realize that the people that are most loyal to you have no blood relation to you at all. Oh, and I know that better than anyone else. Trust me. Huh. Well, it's good that you found people that, you know, you can be loyal to each other. And, I mean, I know there's a lot of people saying that, you know, humans were not, uh, humans are not created to be in such in close spaces like New York City. We're, we're not meant to be in big groups. But I also feel like we're not meant to be alone either. And if you can find a small core group of people that you can be loyal to, then you can pretty much have it set for life. Absolutely. So you were telling me that uh, you accidentally ran a marathon. I'm curious to hear that story. Huh. I was on vacation. I actually answered this uh, personal ad on Craigslist. This guy was moving to Hawaii and he needed help. And he saw my picture and I, uh, you know, you see me, I look like, you know, someone youthful and young and hit. Right. So he thought he was going to be taking this young, hit, youth, uh, youthful thing with him. 
and he was sadly mistaken because he felt like he was driving Miss Daisy. <laughs> I mean, I I have the heart and soul of a ninety-year-old woman, so I was like this. He had this crotchety <laughs> woman with him. <laughs> right. You know, some people just and have so that old soul. Indeed, and so. I got dropped off and I was, um, it was my second day there. I got dropped off late at night the first day. And then the second day I went in to go sightseeing and I found this cool little coffee place and I got my first matcha and I'm sitting there sipping on it. And the sidewalks are completely packed to the point where I can't even breathe or like even maneuver. But yet the streets are totally empty. So I found a little break in the little teensy break in the crowd and the barricades that they set up and decided to walk in the streets all smug and everything. And then <laughs> turn the corner. There's a thousand plus people standing there. Next thing you know, they're all running after me. I'm like, whoa. I'm like, oh, shit. Threw my mouth <laughs> up in the air and started running. And after about... An hour and a half, I turned to the person on my who's running next to me. I said, "Excuse me, sir, where are we running to?" He's like, "Oh, this is the LA Marathon." I'm like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I I couldn't have done that. I mean, you know, my fat ass. I weigh almost three hundred pounds. Of course, I'm also. I didn't think I could do it either. I was wearing high top cats. <laughs> So you'd you know, be surprised what you, what you can accomplish if you're put, forced into it. Right. So once you realized you were in a marathon, what did you do? I had to keep running. There was no way out. <laughs> did they say anything to I you at the finish there. line? I went to the finish line. Oh yeah, I wanted to go sightseeing, and I ran for twenty-five miles. I I saw the sights, but they were a blur. <laughs> so, um, have you gone to any bars near Marathon since? <laughs> I never wanted to go run a marathon to begin with. <laughs> so, with all your okay, with everything on your bucket list, you know, tell me which one was probably uh, the darkest one, the one that was most uncomfortable, and tell me which one was probably the most positive, the one that really inspired you to keep going. Most uncomfortable. Huh. I don't think any of them were really uncomfortable. Okay. I mean, th there were sacrifices that were. Like, with everything, there comes sacrifice. And that's how I, you know, all the self-discipline that I've taught myself to achieve this, these accomplishments. The sacrifice okay. was the most painful. Like my most, um, the most amazing one was also the most painful one, sacrifice-wise, which was going to the Golden Girls convention and technically meeting one of the Golden Girls because I met Lynn Green, who played young Dorothy in the flashback. Yeah, yeah. So that's technically meeting one of them, and yeah. um. 
in order to do this, you know, I'm on Social Security. I don't make much money. So I had to limit myself to, like, eating one pack of ramen noodle every other day. And instead of sleeping in a tent and buying myself a tent to sleep in when I was in Florida, I had to sleep at the parks on a bench during the day and one pack of ramen every other day just to be able to get by enough to be able to afford the plane tickets, the hotel room, the VIP uh, package. But, you know, there's people out there who say, well, why don't you get an apartment? Why don't you prioritize food and everything? Well, because food and apartment, you can get every any day you of the year. You can only go to this thing like once. Right. Well, you know, I mean, I myself have been homeless a few times. Uh, one year in Minnesota, it was brutal. So, I mean, I can certainly understand and respect, you know, the struggle. When you're on the street, what are some of the things you do to help, you know, maintain your financial position to be able to survive? Well, there's SSI, and then I. Well, I'm gay, so there's grinders, and I have, you know, I have some daddies that help me out, sugar daddies. Mm-hmm. Yes, I have daddy issues. I am a Blanche, after all. <laughs> but Blanche um, Devereaux. <laughs> I love a tight man. Tight man with cast iron pecs, thighs like a choke a bear. In the book, you could eat breakfast off of. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, you know, one thing that uh, I can't, I can only imagine that uh, in Minnesota we have two extremes: it's either really hot or it's really cold. Um, in your travels, you know, you must have experienced all kinds of weather. What is what's that been like for you? Just like my mother's mood. <laughs> I mean, it's basically, my mother, you know, one day it's super hot and I'm out here dying. Actually, I, I used to have that problem, but then I thought, okay, I'm clean. Daddy let me shower. Daddy washed my clothes. I'll let Daddy hold my backpack and I'll go to the mall. So I blend right in with people who have homes. People don't right. even know I'm homeless. Or right. I don't use the word homeless. I use the term nomadic. Because homeless people stand on the corner, they beg for change, then they go buy their drugs and get high and then nod out and then go back to it. Me, I travel. I make the most of every moment of my life. Fair well, enough. I did. I did until I decided to come to Tulsa and retire. Now I work three jobs and sleep on a couch behind a furniture store. Hmm. But I'm saving for an apartment. There you go. So now that, you, yeah, now that you've done your bucket list, you know, are, are there, is there another bucket list that you're making or are you pretty much ready to just start, you know, living a, you know, a permanent life? I guess I could, you could say. Both actually. Because okay. this one's, you know, the first one's kind of long, so this one's kind of short. All I want to do is go to Seattle, see the Space Needle. I want to go see Mount Rushmore. 
I want to go see the Grand Canyon, and I want to go skydiving. Well, that last one, I'm not so sure about. I mean, I'm not a height guy, and, and funny, I used to work with a traveling carnival, and we've had to get up high. Never liked it. I could never get used to height. Um, oh, I, I kind of worked with a carnival myself. It was called the Family Reunion. Okay. So uh, I assume that's mostly a southern circuit? Oh, no. It was Christmas and uh, Easter. It was every holiday that I went to my grandparents' house and had to deal with my mother's side of the family. Oh, okay. Plus, we even had the bearded lady. She was my Aunt Valerie. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I... I have met some families, you know, I swear it's like straight, something straight out of the uh, classic movie Freak Show and Jerry Springer episode. I mean, there's some scary people out there. Yeah, if, if you see my mother without makeup, she looks like Donald Trump. <laughs> I, you know, to retaliate for her cruelty, I had a custom-made T-shirt that said, world's worst mother totally looks like Trump, and I had a picture of her and him right next to each other. <laughs> so, and I used to collect animatronics, and this was really, this was the most awesome, savage thing I've ever done to my mother. Um, she kept bitching at me every time I bought one, or any time I would do anything that brought me joy, she'd have a bitch fast over so she made a rule, no more animatronics, no more life-size animatronics. So I went online and decided to buy a life-size cardboard cut out of the Golden Girls and stand it in my room instead. <laughs> she flipped out. And I said, it ain't animatronic. You didn't say a life-size cardboard cut out. <laughs> she walks in my room and sees the Golden Girls standing there. <laughs> Yeah, you know, honestly, I have to say, you know, aside from Rose, Ma was my favorite character because her quick wit and just smart ass comment on that show. There's been a few times my mom would be like, you know, you didn't hear that. Right. And. You know, I have the sarcasm of B. Arthur. In fact, I always say sarcasm is my second language. Yeah. Yeah, funny is I'm wearing a shirt that says sarcasm, just one of my many talents. <laughs> I love it. I had a t-shirt once that says, my level of sarcasm is based on your level of stupidity. <laughs> yep, that's about it, too. Now... How, how you talked about doing a lot of traveling? How do you do most of your traveling? Either by Greyhound or Spirit Airlines. Okay. And you know but what has been the longest jump you've made? The longest trip? Uh, probably a Greyhound from Florida to California. Ooh. And one time we kind of it was. I kind of was part of a mass kidnapping. Really? Can't make this shit up. The, the Greyhound driver was strung out on something to the point where she was unresponsive. She would stop at every single gas station and rest stop along 
the way, go into the bathroom for hours, come out and, be, and become more and more incoherent to the point where one of the passengers had to call the police on her. And we had to stop in the middle of the desert and have her haul off to jail. And then they had to get somebody all the way from Texas to the, some desert in, area in California to pick us up. And, from, and they had to take a cab out there. And we sat out oh, there for like crazy. six hours in the middle of the desert. Well, that's just crazy. I yeah. mean, you know, you hear you hear crazy thing being done by crazy people, but on a Greyhound bus, it's just not something you hear about very often. Well, a lot of things that happen to me you don't hear about very often. Why, just yesterday, I went swimming in a basement in an abandoned warehouse. Did you know it was a basement? Accidentally. <laughs> huh? Did you know that it was a basement? Yeah, I knew it was a basement. I didn't know it was a pool, too. <laughs> so how did you find that? I, I don't know. I, I like urban exploring, and I like walking into abandoned places. I just don't like swimming in them. <laughs> so, I mean, what, it, 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 say it was an old warehouse, so you must have been, like, in an old uh, industrial complex area? Uh-huh. I went and... I thought the I thought it was funny that the basement was like the basement floor was super close to the ceiling and I was ducking and I stepped down and plop. <laughs> so I mean, and you do a lot I, of. I was on my way in an Uber to go for a booty call last night, and I smelt like death had died because <laughs> that water. That was like four feet of water sitting, just sitting there from all the rain that has been going on for years and years and years and just leaking into the basement. And Crazy. so it was the most disgusting, putrid smell. And I was in the, in the Uber and I asked the driver, I said, do you have any Febreze? He's like, yeah. I, I, <laughs> I said, I bet, you, I bet you think I stink. He's like, uh, yeah, I do. I didn't want to say anything. I said, that's okay. I just went swimming in a warehouse this morning. <laughs> <laughs> so, you're into urban exploring. What What has been the scariest place you've gone to? Uh, I didn't know what it was, so that's why it was scary. But uh, indoor fishing uh, holes. Hmm. It was um, out on this lake out in Oklahoma City, and it was this building at the end of a pier, and it was dark, and there was like lights on in there, and there was a great big hole, and it was, it just looked like something straight out of, it looked like some sort of science lab or something. It was creepy as hell. Right. I was flipping out. Well, I can imagine. I mean, you know, there, there's always that uh, creep factor to old abandoned buildings, especially ones that still have some equipment in it. I mean, it was if there was heat. It was heated and had lights on, but it was at the end. It was like there was a pier and there was this building, and there was a hole in the middle of it that it was just like a huge uh, square with a hole, and there was what there was the lake. 
I thought they were like doing some random experiment and creating, reanimating a giant shark in there or something. <laughs> so, you know, you've done a lot of traveling. What have been uh, some of the worst things you've ever had to eat? Worst thing I ever had to eat? I don't know, because I always eat out. I always eat at restaurants. Okay, well, which and restaurant was your favorite? That's pretty good. Oh, I know what was the worst thing I ever had to eat. I was at the park, hanging out with uh, some skater, and this was back when I was in Daytona, and they all call me Grandma. That was my that's their that was my skater name, Grandma, because they're all in high school and they always come out after school to smoke weed and right. drink and everything. And I would always give them advice. They'd always come up to me because I'm experienced with life and everything. They come up to me for advice and I'd be sitting there watching Desperate Housewives and <laughs> just munching on some cookies or something. And so one day they decided to uh, let me join in in their parky or whatever it is, one chip challenge. And oh, I about died. Yeah. I <laughs> would sooner fuck a woman than <laughs> I would ever do that again. Yeah, I, I had some young guy pull that stunt on me too and you know, I, as a as a traveler myself, I've had a lot of spicy food. That had to have been one of the most unpleasant flavors I've ever tasted. What flavor was it? Uh, it was it was one of those uh, Pocky uh, one chip challenge. Oh and yeah, I, I that, I mean... which one it was? There were three of them, I think, but I don't know which one it was. But it, I tasted it, and I was just like. Chewing on it, chewing on it, chewing on it, and it just—I don't mind the heat, but damn, at least make it taste good. I mind the heat. I don't like anything spicy, and that shit <laughs> licked me up like the Rockefeller Center Christmas tree. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine it. You know, so what is that? I wouldn't want to either. Right, so. And what has been uh, the, the one dish, whether it be a you know a fast food or a high end restaurant or even something homemade? What has been the one dish that has been the best in your mind? One that um, that took me back home. Well, there's two. Okay. One that took me back home at this place called Incredible Pizza. They have chicken duvan, which my mother made. And it was, it's my favorite thing in the world to eat other than French onion soup. Mm. And it's just a simple dish, but I never okay. have seen it anywhere at a restaurant. And then the other was a $200 cupcake that I got for free. Oh, gee. I was, at, I was, yeah, <laughs> it's funny because I was working at the BOK Arena back in 2019, and I was, doing custodial work and cleaning out a bathroom and I saw I had to step out of the bathroom for a moment and I saw this woman pushing a cart with all these 
gold-plated cupcakes with actual edible gold flakes in them. Right. Down, and I'm in the bathroom, and there's somebody out there. I overheard her say, you want, you want a cupcake? They're $200. I tripped over my mop and bucket and knocked all the water out and came out all soaking wet. <laughs> And said two hundred dollars. She's like, "Yeah, you want you want one?" I said, "Hell yeah!" You throwing them? She's like, "I'm throwing away." She's like, "I said I don't I don't believe you are. You're going to give one to me first. Two hundred dollars for a gold flake cupcake. Gee, my boss, that was there. Um, it was my first day there, and she came up to me. <laughs> I'm, I didn't. Uh, it's a rule that you're not supposed to eat there, so I shoved mm. it in my mouth. Like I didn't know I was capable of shoving an entire cupcake in my mouth, but desperate <laughs> times call for desperate measures, and here I am shoving an entire. She's like, "What are you eating? Cupcake?" <laughs> then we had to go clean out the locker room, and she turns her back on me for one second. And I see a pizza left by the hockey team, so I'm eat I shove I shove the pizza in my mouth. What are you eating now? Pizza. <laughs> All I do is eat. Yeah. Unfortunately that's kind of what I do as well. My wife is a chef. And oh God, I, I can't I I can't do it. I mean, it's not her fault that I've gained weight. She just isn't helping. Everything just tastes too damn good. Well, that could be a, a you know an issue. But with me, I have I'm genetically blessed, and mm. I've actually had a best friend who was kind of heavy set, who was very critical to herself about her weight, and mm. she made a really dumb this dumb idea. Why don't we go to a buffet together? I said, our friendship's oh, going to be yeah. over by the end of the day. You ready to sacrifice <laughs> it? She's like, no, it ain't. We're, we're, we'll be a best friend. I said, all right, we'll see. She hated my guts because I sat there for six hours inhaling everything and it's like, I didn't gain an ounce. Yeah. I used to be like that. And then I quit doing drugs and quit smoking and blew up like a puffer fish. Even if I quit drug, I mean, quit smoking, I I wouldn't gain weight because I have a high metabolism and a hyperthyroidism. So when mm. I get older and my metabolism slows down, my thyroid condition is going to continue to keep me skinny. Gotcha. The only problem with that is I'm always hungry. Yeah. I can certainly relate to that. I mean, I my stepfather accused me of having tapeworm one time. You know, boy, I don't know how you can eat. Um, so speaking of that, I mean, how do you address any medical medical concerns when you're out and about? Lucky for me, I'm very healthy. I don't really get sick much. Although I've had a very clogged nose since my uh, swimming trip yesterday. Yeah, I'll bet. I mean, it oh, I mean the, you've never, you've never had any major injuries? coming from my shoes, though. Uh, yeah, I can, I can imagine. But you've never sustained any uh, injuries on your exploration? 
I got hit by a car when I was on vacation in Los Angeles back in 2018, but I bounced right back. Everybody was wanting to go out and buy me food at the hotel, but I told them, no, I'm going to go out and get pizza. I walked out and got pizza the next day. Right. And I got, well, I got, she was speeding so fast, I got uh, blown out of my shoes, flung 20 feet in the air, and slid 20 feet on my side, and hobbled up to the car. She was wondering what she hit, knocked on the window. I said, did you hit something? Did you looking for something that you hit? She's like, yeah, I, I think I hit something. I said, yeah, you did. It was me. Take me to the hospital. You know, I can't imagine what that must have been like, you know, first off, what that was like for you in your head, but also in the driver's mind, you know, it's like, oh, I just hit something, you know, and all of a sudden here comes something. Yeah, it was me. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you never know what you're going to get with me. I mean, even when I had a simple, normal life as a kid, Amazing, right. incredible, unbelievable things happened to me. Like, I used to have a pet octopus growing up because that was my favorite creature. And mm. I'll never forget, every single morning, my parents would wake me up for school and my dad would be bitching at me because everything in the fish tank would be rearranged. And my dad would keep nagging me every morning. Chase, you've been messing in that fish tank again. You're going to mess up the pH levels. No, I didn't do it. The octopus did. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, octopus, you know, are they're not that different from humans. You know, they will set the environment up to their taste. Right. Well, it was, it was for a very uh, crazy reason. One morning, I couldn't find the octopus. My dad's in the shower. Uh and uh, I'm in there looking for the octopus, and I remember one of the rocks is hollow, so I flip it over, and I bust into the um, bathroom, and I'm like, Dad, Dad, it's not Odako, it's Ursula. He's like, what do you mean it's Ursula? I said, we're expecting. He's like, what do you mean we're expecting? You're expecting what? I said, the UPS driver is dropping off a friend. What do you think? He, he runs out of the shower, butterball naked, soap and soap and bubbles all over him, striking water. He, and he's a very obsessive, compulsive, neat freak, too. So this is way out of his character. Striking water all through the house, all the way to my room, to see a thousand eggs. Oh... So I was, you've heard about Octo Mom in India or wherever it was. Well, I was Octo Dad. <laughs> and well, I, you know, I, I, I mean, I've you know gotten into it. What's that? Do you know how many there was? Over a thousand. I wasn't going to sit there and count them all. <laughs> but then... You know, there's been a lot of crazy things that have happened to me uh, at home that my parents had to walk in on. I feel bad for them, kind of. Like, um, I, I don't know, I had claw machines 
I collected claw machines. So mm. one day I'm sitting there. Uh, my friend decides to close me in in the claw machine, and my mother comes home, and I'm I'm stuck in the claw machine, and my mother had to go get the keys and open the door and let me out of the claw machine. I bet that was an interesting conversation trying to explain to her what that what happened. Not as interesting as coming home all hunched over after being out all night after her dropping me off at work at the bowling alley and explaining and trying to convince her that I spent the night in the piano. Well, I, we had an argument. I didn't want to go back home, so I went to Chuck E. Cheese and I sat my drink on top of the piano up on stage in front of that purple guy, Mr. Munch. And uh, right. I had like, I forget what dropped in, in there, behind there, but I went to get it and I kind of got stuck. And I didn't want to tell, let anybody know. I didn't want to embarrass myself, but then again, then I just, the place closed up and I didn't want to get in trouble, so I had to stay silent and punched in the ball. And I walked in for like three, four miles, all hunched over. And I, my mom was like, why are you bent all over? I said, if you straighten me up, I'll tell you about my time in the piano. She said, you weren't in the piano. I said, yes, I was in the piano. I spent the night in the piano. Jeez. She said, Jason, you weren't drunk. I said, no. Put me in an upright position. She had to pull me up. <laughs> <laughs> so, what had been in all of your experiences, you know, aside from uh, your home with your parents, what has been the one moment in your life where you thought this might be it? This might be the end? Um. Probably when I got uh, beat up by a bunch of people outside of 7-Eleven. Mm. What were some of the injuries you sustained then? Couldn't even open my eyes. I was bruised, brutally, like, bruised, like, to the point where, like, half my face was purple. And... Did they ever find the guy? There was a bunch of them. Right. And no. No, go ahead. It was, it was just awful. Right. But I actually wound up going to a mental hospital because of it. Well, because I went to the hospital and they just let me go and my, by the time I got out, my eyes were swollen shut, and I couldn't see shit. Man. And I wasn't right. going to go on the streets pretty much blind without a cane. So right. I went to a mental hospital until I could open my eyes. Now, there are a lot of people out there that are, you know, they're in some pretty dark places themselves, and 
They don't know what to do. They don't know how to break out of it or be positive. What are some of the things that you would tell them? Huh? I guess the universe can't give you what you can't handle. Okay. I mean, I've been like, you know, if it, there's been several things, like, there's been several instances where it was <coughs> on the line. <coughs> it was, there was like a fine line between I can handle it and I can't. Right. And there's been several things that have happened to me where that was right on that fine line. And how like you... losing my wallet. Mm. But then I found a way that I left it. Yeah. In this day and age, that's something you don't want to lose for sure. Um, I mean, it was worse than that. I was at the mall. And I was I was flat broke, and my the bottoms of my shoes were like literally ripped completely off. So basically, I was barefoot in the mall. Right. <coughs> Which, <coughs> excuse me, with just the tops of my shoes covering my feet. Right. Um. I had gotten my I had gotten a friend to put money on my card to get me uh, a new pair of shoes right and I was just so distraught that I wound up leaving my wallet at Walmart, at the mall ran to Walmart and then went to pay and realized I forgot I left my wallet so I had to run back to the mall and lucky for me it was there so how did you come back how do you come back from those dark times what are some of the things you do or say to yourself to get yourself out of it I stuff just happens that gets me out of it I don't really have to say or do anything to myself to get myself out of it there's always some sort of turnaround that happens Right. I guess, so, in a way, you know, somebody out there is looking out for me. Right. Now, what are some of the other advice that you give to somebody that, you know, wanting to try out the nomadic life or, you know, um, branch out? What are some of the things you would tell them? Um... I would tell them, chase your dreams. I mean, a job can wait. Um, food, you can get food for free. Make sacrifices. Ask yourself what it's worth. Right. I mean, if it's worth those sacrifices, go for it. Now, what are some of the things that you would warn people against? You know, what are some of the warnings you would give them? Uh... I would warn against uh, trusting people who invite you to live with them because they turn out to be total control freaks. Right. But 
I, I, there is a little bit of a vengeful side. I'm from Baltimore, so you know, right. we do have a tendency to have a uh, vengeance as a little, a little hobby of ours. For example, um, one person uh, recently decided to um, invite me over for sex, and then they totally ignored me and invited somebody else over. So I got bored and went on Craigslist. They have a, 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 some chairs and furniture sitting on their porch for their enjoyment. I went on Craigslist and posted it as a free ad. Everything mm. on porch for all free. Grab and go. And then I and they're very anti-religious, so I signed them up for a visit from a Jehovah's Witness at six o'clock in the morning. Right. So. Well, we are just about at the one-hour mark, and uh, I mean, it, it, it's been great having you on. It's been um, a pleasure being on. So, it, uh, what? What would you like to tell the people right now to, you know, about themselves? <clears throat> if, you, if you were, uh, let, me, let me start over and restart that. Piece of advice that you would give to somebody as far as when it comes to chasing your dream specifically. What's the one motivating line that you would like to live by? Uh... Chasing a dream. Well, I mean, it could be a celebrity. It, it could be an old quote. What would it be? Well, it wouldn't be a quote. It wouldn't be a, a celebrity thing. It would be from my heart. If you want something, if you want to chase your dream, you need to put all your energy and all your heart, soul, and mind into it, and it will happen. I'm like I'm currently trying to prove a point and I'm I'm working my ass off on trying to become the first homeless person to ever host Saturday Night Live and I'm I have a page on Facebook about it and it's kind of like a petition and I'm trying to get people to share it and I even wrote a letter to Lauren Michaels who's the producer mm -hmm. and I'm waiting to get an email back from him and I'm trying to get like a support team and everything else to kind of bolster me into it. Okay. Just to get on there. And in my monologue, I want to tell people I did this. So if I can, if I, a homeless person, am standing here hosting Saturday Night Live, then nothing should be stopping any of you from following your dreams and achieving them. Well, there you go. Can't go wrong with that. Well, I mean, why not? I mean, I've been on the Howard Stern show. I've been in the New York Times. What's wrong with hosting Saturday Night Live while I'm at it? Right, for sure. Well, again, it's been great having you on. So what I'll do is I'll put you in the back room, just hang out there for a minute, and uh, once the show ends, I will talk to you some more about uh, promoting your YouTube channel on the group page and all that. And, you know, what else we can do from here? Sounds good. 
All right. Well, thanks again for stopping by. And uh, I will talk to you in just a moment. Okie dokie. Stay golden. All right. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. That was Chase Bristow, the Gay Nomad. And again, you can check out his YouTube channel. That link is available in the description down below. So stop by, check him out, show some love and support. And as I always say, be smart and be safe, you know, be good to one another because you never know your kindness might be the one act that can change somebody's life. So until next time, I'll catch you under the streetlight.